welcome to From Our Perspective, Two Therapist Moms with a Mic. My name is Katie Truax. And I'm Claudia Glassman. And this is our third episode of our new podcast. Yay. We started out a couple of weeks back with um, a kind of a, a primer on what seems to be a really important and, and pressing and hot topic for everybody out there, which is anxiety, particularly uh, kind of what is anxiety and how it's related to being a parent. And then we moved on from there last week to talk about the somatic expression. So how anxiety manifests in our bodies and how our bodies can help kind of co-create an anxiety response. And today we are going to spin off again and talk a little bit about perfectionism. Yes, which clearly by our podcasting, <laughs> as of this moment, we are not perfectionists, um, but I see it a lot in practice and I'm sure you do too. Um, and I think just culturally as moms, there's this you know, trying to be perfect and comparisons to others on social media and whatnot. But I did find an interesting article um, that the APA had put out. For those of you that don't know, that's the American Psychological Association. Um, and it was interesting because it gave a couple of different perspectives um, on perfectionism and you know, really the link between perfectionism and anxiety, depression, and eating disorders specifically, um, but really also highlighting that it's not just, it's not a direct correlation, right? Like you can be a perfectionist and not have those things, but it's more of like a risk factor, right? So if other factors aren't there, if there's other protective factors not available or other coping skills that um, the risk for mental health challenges, increases um, for those that tend to be more perfectionistic. So I don't know, do you wanna talk a little bit, Katie, about kind of what you see in your practice or kind of what you've noticed about perfectionism, both as a mom and maybe clinically? Sure. I mean, first of all, let me just say, I'm actually surprised by those article results that they did not find a direct correlation. I, I, I find that like hard to, imagine how one could be perfectionistic and not struggle with anxiety and depression. Like to me, when I think of the three, I think of like, okay, well, perfectionism obviously is a desire and a striving to be what one perceives as being perfect, right? Or whether that's in, in our own eyes or what we think that other people are viewing or perceiving from us, right? And then to me, it seems like anxiety would be just a natural byproduct of trying to sustain that or achieve that or maintain that. And then if we were to fail, there comes the depression, right? Like I see like a perfect trifecta <laughs> there. Yeah. I think it was speaking to, so this, I'll tell you this person. So the person whose um, research they're talking to is a University of British Columbia professor. He's also a psychologist in practice. Mm -hmm. And he found that in more than 20 years of research that he and his colleagues found that perfectionism correlates with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and other mental health problems. Mm -hmm. There are, however, other studies, which you know we can go into scientific studies and how we can find different things studying the same sure. topic. 
did not come up with that correlation. Okay. And so what they found, and certain studies said, well, you know, this self perfectionism. So the perfectionism based on yourself and your goals, mm -hmm. that it can be a motivating factor, right? That it can help you accomplish. And this Dr. Hewitt's argument is that's not necessarily the case because if there are not other factors involved, right? That it's, that this perfectionism is a vulnerability for mental health issues maybe, and not necessarily the direct cause. But what it comes down to is, you know, perfectionism ultimately equals a lack of flexibility, right? Because it's this idea of what is perfect, what should be happening, what my outcome should be, how I should live my life, how I should look, all those things. And when we can't execute that mm -hmm. and we can't shift our mindset to say, well, I tried or, yeah. you know, nothing's perfect, then the distress comes in. So it is interesting. I agree with you. I mean, I, again, what I see in my practice is the problematic outcome of perfectionism, right? Because they're coming to see me just with anxiety and depression and whatnot. But um, this Dr. Hewitt said, he feels like some of those studies may not be completely accurate. The ones that state that, that there is no correlation because he's like, well, yeah, if you're not stressed, like if there's no stressor, and things are going swimmingly, then the perfectionism isn't necessarily causing anxiety, depression, or anything else, right? Because things are going the way you anticipate. Right. It's when things go wrong that there's the struggle. And so it's looking at, well, when was that snapshot in that study taken? And, you know, we can dissect those studies. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I do think, you know, whether or not it's a direct correlation, I don't, I think we can pretty much agree that it is linked and that it is a contributing factor, if nothing else. Yeah, I know. I was sitting here thinking like, okay, so, so when would it not, right? And the only two things I could come up with, you just spoke to, right, would be A, like if you haven't yet fallen, right? Like yeah. if somehow been able to maintain whatever you believe is, is perceived by yourself and others as being perfect, right? Like if you've been able to keep up that facade, or B, if you've found this, well, I, I like, I, was it Dr. Hewitt or did you say this, the term self-perfection? Yeah, it's, so they classify different types of perfectionism, right? That mm -hmm. focused on outward, that focused on ourselves, um, interrelational perfectionism, right? This expectation of our friends and our partners to be Ooh, perfect. That's a doozy, yeah. Yeah, right. I like um, this idea of, um, like, okay, so if we have a standard, have you ever heard that term perfectly imperfect? Yes, I love it. I do too. Like, I think that that could be another way around this, the debilitating type of perfectionism, right? Or the perfectionism where it creates distress is like this sense of like, okay, I'm going into life, whether it's my kid's birthday party or father's day, right? We just celebrated or my approach to my home or my body or my bank account or my career, expecting myself to be imperfect. And then by golly, I can meet that standard every time. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yeah, yeah. And therefore I'm perfect, right? If that's my standard of being imperfect, there I go. I did it every time. <laughs> okay so well let's talk about that so then okay. maybe defining perfectionism which mm -hmm. is helpful right because 
I don't know any perfectionist that defines defines their expectations right. as mediocre. That is a non-perfectionist defining perfectionism. Okay. So I'm a so, failure. I'm imperfect at my achievements. My, right. my imperfection. Right. Because ultimately, right, that one of the um, yeah. criteria for perfectionism or one of the traits would be having high standards. Oh, yeah, probably so. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So your mediocre standards would not meet the requirements for that statement. But yeah, so having high standards, right? Um, the need for control and order and neatness. Um, I've also noticed, obviously kind of you touched on this concern over mistakes, right? The inability to handle mistakes or, or maybe just um, a stronger reaction to mistakes and criticism as well as you know being really self-critical, right? Because that's how you keep yourself on track to strive for this perfect outcome. Um, yeah, and I, you know, it's interesting because I, it comes up, you know, clinically for me in life. I mean, I can't tell you how young kids parties I go to where, I, I mean, someone worked really hard on this party, right? It's like the Pinterest, everything and everything's handmade. And I'm like, oh man, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not that person. Um, so it, it does, you know, and I, I think there's social pressure and maybe that's not perfectionism. Maybe that's just high standards that we feel like as parents, sometimes we have to be right. Like every kid's birthday party is the perfect Pinterest party, like minus two, you know, mm-hmm. or I mean, you know, I know my kids put that pressure on me. They'll find like a video of, oh, this is hysterical. So there was a video of um, a mom that did a movie day at home and she made the concession stand and she got cereal boxes and cut out the little kids um, snack packs. And then she perforated paper and made movie tickets and she did this whole thing. And so my kid shows me the video and goes, I want you to recreate that. And now I'm, I'm, I'm tallying the man hours involved in all the crafting that I'm not very good at. Um, that I now have to execute to watch a two hour movie that my kids may or may not sit through and decide to finish. So uh, my response was, I mean, I'll take you to a movie, like I'll pay the, you know, 40 bucks to not have to do this because it was a week's worth of work. And kudos to this mom that like did that. If that's her thing and she enjoys it, awesome. I'm just not the crafty, creative, let's design a movie theater and execute it in our house mom, right? Like, that's just not my strength. Um, but I can see where like, even your kids start to pressure you somewhat because they see all these other parents executing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I had that perfectionistic streak, I can only imagine how much anxiety that might cause me to not live up to that or to exhaust myself. I mean, you know, you and I both work and we're parents and life and, you know, how much do I have to give up? Like how much do I, you know, put into creating this movie day to the detriment of my family and myself and my own well-being, right? And so, but I can see where the pressure like mounts for parents. Well, and it's an always moving target, right? It's never attainable. You've never achieved perfection, right? In anything for a couple reasons, right? Life evolves and okay. So you do the movie and then what, then you, then you have to, um, 
or you do the movie party, right? And then you still have to get the kids to bed and cook dinner. And does that have to look perfect too? And do you have to be a perfect wife to your husband that night, even if you're exhausted and disappointed in the way that the children didn't appreciate all the hours that you put into their movie day? And, and then what happens the next day? You start at it again, right? So it's like a rolling target, you know, this idea of like creating perfectionism. And, and speaking of social media, my God, whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok, or I don't even know about Snapchat. I just can't, I can't, I don't even know what that is, but (laughs) you know, like Facebook, you know, this idea that there's always a new standard, right? There's a, people take, people take the bar and raise it higher and higher and higher on any given topic all the time. And there's always something new to live up to, whether it's coming from within, coming from your children, coming from peers, coming from people you don't even know on social media, which we all joke and we all say, oh, I know it's not real, right? I know there's a filter on that, or I know, you know, blah, 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 blah. That post isn't real. I know what's going on behind the scenes, but but it still gets into our psyches, right? And and rolls around in there and, and wrestles up dis-ease or questions of, am I doing enough? Am I being good enough? Right. Yes. And even, you know, for that to impact you, you don't even have to be a perfectionist. You know, I hear lots of people who don't have that perfectionistic streak, but who will say like, I'm just so like, I see everyone's life looking a certain way. And I think why not me, or I should be that way. And again, we know, we know it's a snapshot. It's what someone is choosing to put out into the world. Right. And very few people choose to put out the ugly, right. They put out the, the things they want you to see in the way they want you to see it. And it's a very small snapshot. We snapshot, we know that. And yet it still gets to us, you know, even though we're aware of that, it's, it does, it creates a new standard of what should be whoever's defining that. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this constant striving to, to meet up to a standard. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I remember um, struggling with that some myself as a younger human. Um, I can't remember. I was reflecting on this because I know we had had talked about the potential for discussing this today. And um, it's definitely something that I struggled with in my 20s. And um, for me, I think that I grew up in a home with pretty high standards for things like grades, um, communication, um, I remember from a young age, right? Like I was, use your words, right? Use your feeling words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> surprise, surprise, I turned out to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so the ability to communicate well, the ability to, to behave just right. We um, were, you know, I grew up in the South and um, we were churchgoers like to the nth degree. And so there are all these standards and expectations for you look a certain way, you know, you, you shake hands, you look people in the eye, this is an etiquette, these are manners, right? And I mean, even being in church, it's like you stand up at a certain time and you sit down at a certain time and, and you, you say these phrases in a certain sequence in order and there's a right way to do everything. Yeah. And then layer on top of that, I was a performer in 
in middle and high school, I was a, a musician. And um, so, you know, of course you're on stage, you're literally on stage and expected to do it just right, right? And, and um, so between grades and appearance and the expectation of church, and then my mother became a preacher. So not only did we live at the church, but then I was a preacher's kid. So then I was expected to be perfect in a whole new way, right? And being on stage performing, there was a pretty um, palpable awareness of just being a straight A human, right? Yeah. And I don't remember that creating distress until I fell off the pedestal. Right. right? So it went and wrong. <laughs> that's right. Until it went wrong. Like, and, and for me, I think it was a combination of um, no longer having the interest and the ability that happened about the same time. I remember a C in civics. <laughs> and I also remember wanting to prioritize cutting loose and having fun with my friends above maintaining the standards of being a quote unquote good girl all the time. But let me ask you this. Do you, the, it sounds like it was imposed perfectionism that it wasn't necessarily coming from your internal drive to be a perfectionist. Like you weren't wired to be per a perfectionist. It was perfection imposed on you. Yeah, I the environment. Mm -hmm, I think so. I think I, I got lucky when it came to grades and I kind of like realized, I, I kind of like got that one backwards, you know, where I was like, it, school came easy for me. Um, until it didn't. And I remember very acutely having conversations with um, people I looked up to. And I can't remember, Claudia, if this might have not been until grad school. I think it wasn't until grad school, but I remember kind of beginning to embrace the adage of B is for balance, right? But beyond that, like I, I racked myself to try to maintain straight A's. And, and it wasn't until, and, and I had decided at some point that I initially, I thought I'd get a PhD. And then I decided that I was not going to, I was going to end my master's degree because I just really wanted to be a therapist. I didn't want to research and I didn't want to teach. And so at that time, that was really kind of the motivating factor behind getting a PhD. And I wanted to be able to be a therapist as fast as I could. So decided um, that a master's degree was going to be my path. And I remember somebody saying, Katie, nobody's ever going to check to see what grade you got in fill in the blank class, right? right? No one is ever again going to check your transcript, <laughs> right? No client is ever going to say, mm, can I see what you got in research and statistics class, please? <laughs> right? Before they decide if you're going to be their therapist or not. And, and, and yes, to your point, like once I realized nobody was going to measure me anymore, mm -hmm. right? It, it shifted a lot for me. That and I think learning that some of the other pieces were just unable to be sustained, right? Despite whether I wanted to or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's this idea that perfectionism equals success. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I started this episode by saying I'm not a perfectionist. I was very much like, eh. I don't care, like to the opposite of you. Granted, I didn't have a preacher as a mother and I didn't grow up, you know, having to go to church and I wasn't performing, but I was always kind of like, you know, I would always do 
well enough, you know, like I got good grades, but I didn't like stress about them necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of floated. Um, but I do have, uh, you know, high goals for myself and I do, I'm a productive person and I like to achieve things, but I just don't have to do it perfectly. I mean, and you know, we jokingly said at the beginning of this podcast, like, here's a good example, but I mean, it is, you and I have, you know, we, we see clients, we work, we have families and we do this podcast. And, you know, I think our first episode specifically, we're like, let's just throw it out there and get going and get some momentum and see what happens. Right. There wasn't a whole lot of, um, we weren't really, you know, shy to just throw it out there, even though, I mean, I think we can both say that, you know, there's things maybe we would do differently if we did the same episode again, but it's like, that was good enough. Right. Yeah, maybe right. our listeners will be like, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> you should really redo that different podcast and perfectionist podcast. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you can still achieve and accomplish yeah. and not be a perfectionist. It's this idea of, again, I think it's a, it's a, it's the idea of coming into something saying, it's okay if I leave that saying I can do better next time and I will do better next time and I will learn next time versus leaving a situation and saying that wasn't my best and that was terrible, right? And yeah. I think that's the difference. Okay, so let me ask you this question. How do you avoid the perfectionist trap? Mm -hmm. Good question. So in this, um, in uh, one of the articles I read, it was kind of talking about this is how people are wired, right? People are wired for perfectionism and they're, they're wired in this um, mindset and others aren't. Um, I, I, there could be some truth to that, right? Like we are wired differently, but we also know thanks to the advances in, you know, science and this understanding of our ability to actually change our brain, right? And change the way our brain is wired, even through adulthood, which is a newer development. It used to be like, oh, you're 22 and that's your brain. Now it's like, oh no, you can absolutely change the way synapses fire and your brain by kind of what you focus on, which is where the whole like mindfulness thing comes in, right? So I think it's that. I think it's having to muscle through to some extent mm -hmm. those moments where you're fighting that perfectionistic part of yourself, but to constantly remind yourself that it doesn't matter, right? Kind of like how you broke out of it, this larger picture, this taking a step back and saying, does it really have to be perfect? Is it, you know, catastrophic if it's not, or does it, I'll be okay. You know, one of my um, kiddos has definitely grown out of this, but she had a little bit of a, of a, a struggle with mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I mean, for years, I, she would spill water. I'd be like, mistakes happen. If I would make a mistake, I'd say, oh, I messed this up. Mistakes happen. I'm human too. And we just like drilled in that mistakes happen. We'll learn from it. We'll do different next time. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Move on. I think you have to do that to yourself to some extent. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and really create these mantras of like, it's not catastrophic if it's not perfect. Yeah. And surviving the imperfection. Yes. And similar to the anxiety, this like, I don't know, exposure therapy, right? If I have a fear of a specific thing facing that thing, mm -hmm. 
right, can help me overcome that fear because I will learn that it's not life-threatening and eventually my brain will be like, oh, we're safe. Okay, we're good. Yeah. I think it's the same thing with perfectionism is, you know, if you mess up and survive, you know you can mess up and survive and you do it again and again and again until it becomes less uncomfortable. I love that. You know, I just had a thought. I think for me also kind of staying out of that perfectionistic trap for better or for worse and at the risk of sounding lazy (laughs) is I intentionally, and this is mindfulness and, and you know, just a different way of looking at it. I intentionally try to minimize my preparation and my review. And sometimes I try to eliminate it altogether, right? Because what I found is often people can get stuck in preparation, right? So let's talk about that, like that birthday party, for example, you know, like you said, this would take me a week to prepare for this, right? And and it's almost like the slippery slope that once you start down that rabbit trail, you know, and once you start, where do you stop to try to get something to be just right, whether it's your outfit and your hair and your makeup, or whether it is your children's birthday party, or whether it is our podcast, right? And if, you know, if we were to be, okay, let's create an outline and let's rehearse it, you know, where would we stop? You know, when would we stop? How many mistakes would we allow before we, oh, start over, up oh, start over, right? Um, as opposed to just diving in. Right, because and you then, almost get paralyzed by that preparation and trying to create the perfect outcome it's a rabbit hole because there is no perfection right and you like again it's a bar that's constantly moving higher and higher and higher you get good and then you think well I could have done it better right let's do it again or let's keep working or you know let's stay up at night and think of what else could I do to make this like a movie theater and we haven't even tiptoed into the idea of what happens then psychologically when it doesn't go as planned right well, right. That's the anxiety, the depression, mm-hmm. right? All of the ways in which, you know, we we manifest that. And, you know, I, I think that's very much the case with, you know, the anxiety of, I mean, even the preparation you described, right? How much anxiety is in that preparation alone because you're repeating and repeating and fine-tuning and fine-tuning and now you're so nervous it's not perfect. It never materializes you never do anything with it right yeah and you know I think which is why I you know I would treat perfectionism and and the way I would approach kind of working through it is similar to anxiety right this facing it this kind of these like mantras this like shift in perspective mindfulness um yes also decreasing things that make me feel like I have to right that social media like if I don't know (laughs) what the standards are you know, I might be creating my own perfect standards, but at least I'm eliminating other people's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that so much. And then try not to get in other people's heads, right? I've, I've heard that from clients and my, my work with clients. People say, oh, I wonder what they're thinking of me, mm, yeah. right? So it's like the opposite of social media as opposed to trying to, okay, let me view somebody else and try to be like them, trying to get in somebody else's head. You know, my girlfriend, the other kindergarten mom, my mother, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, right? Who seems to have it all together. I wonder what she thinks about my child's birthday party. Right, yes. And I think that's a good point. This idea of not 
trying to anticipate what other people are judging you on, right? And really maybe deep diving into what is that about for me? Why do I care, right? Why is it so important to me what other people think? Like, because underneath that struggle is something else. Like it's the need to belong. It's the need for, right? There's all these other needs that kind of simmer underneath that fear of judgment and wanting to present yourself a certain way, which, you know, that dives more into like the work we do, right? Where people come to us, that's kind of where we go. Like, well, what's that about? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that need to be perfect about? What is that need to present to the world a certain way about? Um, But I also think it's helpful to explore that because that really is the root of where that comes from, right? Is why do you have to be perfect? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's such a deep topic. I feel like every time we pry the the lid off of something, we're like, oh my God, where do we stop? And how, you know, like there's so many layers that we could talk about this. Yeah. So many, so many. And, you know, there are plenty of perfectionists out there that are maybe more adaptive, right? Um, Or maybe they're perfectionists, but they're, they're doing some of the things we talked about. And so it's not manifesting in these these challenges, you know, maybe they're working on taking a step back or they kind of check themselves every now and then. So they're driven to be a perfectionist, right? But then they can say, okay, but does it really matter? And maybe that's the balance is they're still technically perfectionists, but they're finding ways to manage that, that are more functional and that more adaptive. I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to be a perfectionist and to be adaptive or adapted, right? I don't know if those things coexist at all, or maybe they do. I can't imagine that. I I can imagine having high standards, but I can't imagine having a standard of perfection because I don't believe it's possible. And I I don't think perfection perfection exists, right? Right. Well, and then who defines high standards? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it's, you know, a perfectionism itself is not, you know, a mental health diagnosis and it's not, right. you know, it, it leads to others, yeah. but it's not, it's, it's still loosely defined. I mean, even I'm sure if we looked up like 10 different, you know, sources, we'd find a whole bunch of different criteria that someone decided makes a perfectionist. Right. Because perfect is subject, subjective yeah. rather, let me say it that way. Perfect is subjective. There is no objective perfect. And so it is an ever moving bar. It is a slippery slope. It is a rabbit hole. It cannot be defined. It's only internal or our perception of what either we see externally from others or what we believe people outside of us are how they're perceiving us, right? So it's this elusive subjective, nebulous, maybe even, um, maybe it doesn't even exist, right? This idea of perfect, it's only a mental construct. And, you know, we can, we talked about how, you know, our brains are so powerful the past two episodes and our minds can create all kinds of hypotheses and stories in them about what we should be doing and what happens if we don't. And I think that that is how I would define kind of the striving for perfection is this, this never ending unquenchable desire to attain a false goal, 
of right. something that is flawless, but that can never actually ever be achieved because there is no such thing as anything that is flawless. And the sooner we realize either that there's nothing flawless, i.e. perfect, or that I'm incapable of being flawless, i.e. perfect, and that I have to stop. And then I stop and then I feel what it feels like to be imperfect. And it doesn't always feel good, right? It can feel, we can experience rejection or fear, or like you said, anxiety or worry, but I can tolerate that. Right. And attempting to be present and to find joy in the moment, you know, you use the word mindfulness, even though I'm not perfect, even though I am flawed, right? And my experience is flawed. The things that I create and produce are flawed, but it's okay. I'm okay. The world's okay. At the end of the day, it, it are things, you know, happier rather than sadder, right? Oh, are our wow. children healthy? Are they loved? And are we safe? And if not, can we try again tomorrow? Yes. And it may be working through and undoing a little bit of those messages we got, right? Kind of like your experience, you described the messages of what was expected of you. There was perfection expected. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that grow up with that kind of pressure. That's that perfectionism placed on them. And yep. so for some people, it might be kind of, you know, working through that and redefining if that's really necessary. I, uh, my youngest said to me not that long ago, probably like a year ago. And she said, why do they say practice makes perfect? Like mm. you can practice and practice and practice and you're still not perfect. And she goes, it should be deep thoughts by like a, you know, seven-year-old. It should be practice makes improvements. I love I like, that. Right. My little Buddha over there. I was like, that is brilliant because she's right. But I mean, at seven years old, she's like, what is perfection? That doesn't, I, I can't be perfect. Right. Clearly she, she probably shares more of my, <laughs> my way of being, but like, that's it. Right. This idea of even sayings like practice makes perfect. I mean, how often do we hear that growing up? Right. And then you, you practice and you practice and you work so hard and you still suck at whatever it is, yeah, yeah. It's not your thing. Right. And that's okay. But just that statement makes it sound like perfectionism is a oh, mm -hmm. and, it, and you can reach it if you only practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I feel like we should pause here because we're, we're at yeah. a pretty good time spot, but I feel like we could spin off and we could talk about the neurobiological underpinnings of perfectionism. We could talk about, you know, the family of origin and, and the kind of generational path of perfectionism. We could talk about how um, we influence our children when it comes to their own perfectionism and, and vice versa. We yeah. can go so many directions with this, or, or maybe we'll just surprise our listeners next time. All nine of them. Do we have more than nine yet? Or we're still at nine? We're holding oh, strong. We're not but again, we're just um, <laughs> with something completely different. So um, yeah, we've got, I know we have topics coming in too. So for everyone that's, you know, recommended topics, we hear you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing this weekly and working on it. Um, we love that. We love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Um, I, you know, and so if you hear this and you find us on social media, Claudia is mighty Oak parenting. And I am Rob and Katie Truax, T-R-U-A-X. And um, we're both on Instagram and Facebook. 
And you're not on any of those cool new things, are you? I am not. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> so if you find us, then leave comments or whatever you do and let us know if there is something you want to hear or um, if you um, want kind of a question answered or us to weigh in on something that's heavy on your heart and mind. We love that. That's super fun. Otherwise, we'll just kind of keep rolling on our own tangents. <laughs> yeah. So till next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.